we have a preacher. We have three preachers this morning. And uh, I'm the last one. And I'll be as, I have, we have a set time for preaching roughly. And so we, I, I'll make mine as short or as long as I need to to fill in that three hour slot. And, uh, but right now, Hugo is coming to minister the word of the Lord. Once again, please join us every Friday at 1 p.m. for the children's summer program. Last week we went swimming. It was awesome. I have a poem to recite for you this lovely morning. It's about Jesus, and it's titled, Jesus, Our All in All. Jesus is our all in all. He's our Alpha and Omega. He is the glory and the lifter of our heads. He is the beginning and the ending. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Our Lord Jesus Christ is represented in every sphere of life. In linguistics and language studies, he is the word. In literature, he speaks in parables. In mathematics, he taught us that himself and God the Father are one and not two. In biology, the study of life, he gives us everlasting life. In chemistry, he turned water into wine. In physics, he ascended into the heavens to find the law of gravity, and he walked upon the sea to find the law of flotation. In electricity, he is the light of the world. In botany and gardening, he's the lily of the valley and the rose of Sharon. In oceanography, he's the captain of the ship of our salvation. In animal husbandry, he's the precious lamb of God. In geology, the study of rocks, he's the everlasting rock of ages. In law, he's our advocate. In economics, he fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. In medicine, he healed the sick and raised the dead. And in the ministry, he brought us the good news and brought salvation to the whole world. Hallelujah! Wow. What's that? Well, I think I'll go home. <laughs> you know, uh, that, well, aside, aside of being just so terrific message, that to see the word of the Lord in the hearts of our children and to see it expressed uh, is, is uh, creating within them a taste for what could be the call of God on their lives to preach. Now, how old are you, Hugo? I'm nine, and I'm turning ten in October. Nine, and turning ten in October. When he turns 20, well, when he turns 10 or 11 or 12, boy, I'm going to be at the services where he preaches, I'll tell you that right now. Let's, let's give praise to the Lord for the word of God that can, Im, can be imparted to our children and for all ages. Let's give him thanks and pray. Now, um, the Lord sends us people, uh, sometimes for a short season, sometimes for a longer season. We have a brother here this morning from Ghana. 
He just finished uh, university studies. He's uh, a computer expert. Uh, he does websites and things. And he's going to be going into his own business. But he decided to take two months to come to our church. He'd never been here before. For a time of spiritual renewal, of prayer. And so he's, uh, he's here this morning, and he's from Ghana. He's been in Canada for how long? Four years. So Kujo, come and, and share what the Lord has put on your heart this morning. Hallelujah. Um, so, man, Hugo did all of it. So we're playing volleyball. Was it Saturday? And I, I really I really enjoyed the kids. They're very they all have very different personalities and it's 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 lovely to be around them. Anyway, so I came to visit all of you. I came from Halifax and I'm here till the end of September, God willing. Then I'll have to go back home. But otherwise, um yeah, I decided that after after school I wanted to give myself to God. I didn't wanna you know, start the 95 before the 95 became an issue to serving God. So I made that decision, but things didn't go as I expected because I had to wait. I had to tarry. And I decided, you know, follow what David did and take some time away and find out what God wanted to do with my life. This is very important to me because of my testimony, which Pastor Bruce, thank you very much for this, this privilege to share. So... I was born and raised in Ghana. I went to Sunday school all the time. I didn't like Sunday school because Sunday school was always at the time when there was cartoons, which was 9 to 11. So I would pretend that I was sick so that I would escape. And my dad was a very liberal person. He'd be like, okay, if if they don't want to go, then they don't get it, so leave them alone. But my mom was the opposite. She's like, they must go. So... On the occasion that I do go to Sunday school, I listen. I listen. I listen to, to the messages they preach. I don't understand them, but I would listen. And one day, uh, I heard there's going to be Star Wars showing on TV. Of course, it's in the morning, Sunday school time. And I was like, man, I have not seen this movie yet. It's Star Wars Revenge of the Sith. Anyway, so... I was lying in bed. I actually did get sick that Sunday. So I was like, this is perfect. And and, um, anyways, I'm lying in bed. My mom is like, yeah, it's okay. You can stay home and everything. And I'm lying there. And then the Holy Spirit reminded me of something I heard the Sunday before. So that Jesus is a healer. And I was like, damn it. The guy can heal me. Okay, guess we're going to church. So I got up, <laughs> cursing under my breath. I got up. I think that was the day I took my bike and rode to church. Like, usually if you told me we're taking a cab or my dad's car is unavailable, I'd be like, no, I don't want to go in the first place. Don't make it painful. I actually took my bicycle and rode to church on my own accord. And I sat there, and I did get healed that day. So I was like, okay, God is real. God is actually real. And if that's the case... I sat down one day and I said, Jesus, when I look at all the great men in my life, all the great men in life, I look at Bill Gates, Steve Jobs and everything, and I compare them to Abraham and Isaac and those in the Bible, there is something different about them. Yes, the money is nice, but 
there's something missing. So I told him, Jesus, if you leave my life to me, I'm going to make a mess of it. I was like nine and I knew I was going to make, I was very aware of my depravity as a kid. So I, I, I was like, Jesus, I'm going to make a mess of it so you can have it and just lead me the way. I didn't tell anyone that I had accepted Christ. So of course I missed out on the training and the teaching that you have to receive as a child of God. You need, you need to be brought in and taught in many things. But there was something I was, the, the Holy Spirit always is at work in you. So long as you've received Christ. So for 10 years of my life, I had no idea who the Holy Spirit was. And I continued in a life of religion and conformity. And it broke me. Because I was being kind, I was being generous, I was being all the good things. By all accounts, I was considered a pretty good person. Although I can't see it, honestly. But I was doing all this, but I was poor. I was poor because I was not receiving that kindness I was showing to people. I was not I was living by the letter of the Bible. I was I was learning the rules. Wow. That's what I was learning. And I have a pastor who would tell you that religion comes from hell. Religion religious people look like this. The sons of God walk like this. They walk chest out in abundance. The kindness they show is the kindness they've received from their father. David says that sorry if I'm preaching, sorry. <laughs> David says that where is the son? Where is where is a, a son in Saul's family that I may show him the kindness of God? So I was doing all the good things, but nothing good was in me, and so I was stuck. So four years ago, I came to Halifax after being yelled at by God. I was like, God, and here's one thing: I was always afraid to share my faith, and I was also always afraid to express it because I felt like it would be taken from me. And any time you ask me to go to a place, my first instinct would be, is there a church there? And it wasn't because I was looking for fellowship, but it was because I was afraid I would lose fellowship. The funny thing is that when you're a child of God, wherever you go, you can plant a church if there is no church. You are the, the living. You are the word of God. So I remember when my dad came up with the idea for me to come to Canada. I was like, nope. I didn't know Canada much then, so I said, God... I don't think there's a lot of churches here, so I'm going to stay here. And, you know, I don't want to lose my faith. The education is good, but I don't want to lose my faith. And he yelled at me. He was like, stop being a coward. Who keeps your faith? Paul says that when all left me, God was with me. Who keeps your faith? And then that's, that kind of changed my mind. I said, oh, yeah, might as well come. So I moved to Canada. And a year spent in my room because I was terrified to go outside. A year in my room. So here's the thing. The religion had broken me in a way that it had made me very antisocial and very scared, very anxious. So I met Jesus again through a, a man of God called Emmanuel, um, Emmanuel Kwatijo. He came to All Nations Church. And that was the church I had found myself serving in. I was doing that. I was at the computer, at the projector, and everything. And that's the church I found myself serving in. So as I was serving, a few months later, we had an Easter service. I believe this was 2016. We had an Easter service. And back then, people had been calling me a lot of names. You're self-righteous, you're this, you're that, you're, you're a weirdo, and all sort of stuff. And it hurt, but I never let it hurt me because I was like, you know what? If this is what it means to stand for God, then why not? 
so this man lays hands on me during that service and he says something he's like lord i break the spirit of self-righteousness of this man and in my head i'm like oh jesus christ not again so i went home that night and i sat down and i wept from 93 a.m just telling god you know what i'm, I'm done i like i'm tired i've i've tried my best I'm not seeing what I've done wrong all these years. It's, it's like a decade, literally. I have no idea what I did wrong, but I'm really sorry, but this is where I finish. And for the first time in my life, the Holy Spirit speaks very audibly, and now I know it's him. And he says something. So, Kojo, you've done very well, but you've tried to live the God life without God. So now rest and let my spirit take over. And that has changed everything about my perception on salvation. Since that day, I'm like, man, it's so much easier than it used to be. <laughs> so, yeah, so now my, what's on my heart is, I don't know, it's just, I know what happened to me was for one reason. When I was in Sunday school, I heard about Jesus, but I did not know him. And when I, come to, when I came to Canada, I found many like me, people who had gone to church their whole life, people that have been in Sunday school, but did not know who Jesus Christ was. And so I figured, oh, okay, then make him known. So what's really on my heart is I don't have any one vision. I just kind of let loose wherever I go. But my desire on my heart is to let people know that, one, God is a person. He's with you every day. He doesn't leave. Trust me. I tried to kick him out once. He does not leave. He's like, I will not leave you till I have finished what I have done. And he says the same thing even to Jacob. He says, until I have accomplished what I said to do in your life, I am not leaving. And God is very real. He is a person just like each and every one of us. You can talk to him. You can, like he is, he is very literal. And he is always there, preserving us to the coming of his son, Jesus Christ. So I came here today to just share that with you, that it doesn't matter how long it's been, how far it's gone. Like, it really does not matter. Distance is not a barrier for him. And from his word in Isaiah where he says that the, the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. This is one of my favorite scriptures. For the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor are his ears deaf, but your sins have separated him from you so that he cannot hear. And then I found out last night, I actually went over this night and I noticed that, oh yeah, Jesus took care of that thing. That thing that separated me from God for so long, that is what I did not understand, that the blood of Jesus Christ for the sake, this blood has removed all sin from me and made God blind to my faults. Yes, I'm a weirdo, but yes, Jesus is going to use it. Yes, I may have issues. Okay, Jesus, it's your issues now. He says that I will be to you a husband. And if you're married yet, then you get, we share our problems. Like, if you're married, it's like, okay, it may be my problem, but it's both of us because we're living the same life now. We are one. So be, becoming one with the word of God. So yeah, that is, that is my story and that is my testimony. Is that God is amazing. God is God's love. I think that's the one thing that confuses me. I have learned 10,000 doctrines. And the love of God is the one thing that is the greatest mystery. Thank you very much, Pastor Bruce. Wow. Thank you, Kujo. Wow. Uh, this guy is a guy of prayer. And uh, he... Uh, He's been helping me with some computer stuff in the church, and he was here yesterday morning, and the time came for us to leave around, I don't know, 1 o'clock or so. And as you know, we have a prayer meeting at 7 o'clock, so 
He said, no, I'm just going down to the prayer room. So he spent from then till the prayer service started in the prayer room. I think he went home for a sandwich or something for a little while in between. But uh, there's something that God is, he's going to use Kujo while he's here for these three months. By the way, uh, the Holy Spirit is quite amazing because the scripture that I'm chosen to minister from this morning is actually a biblical example of what we just heard, or maybe to better state it, Cujo is a biblical or a, a, an example of what the scriptures teach. And uh, so I'm just, I, I need to know what time it is. What time it is? I, uh, pardon me? 11.25. Okay. Uh, I don't want to keep you too long. I just want to mention this. Uh, speaking of the west coast of of the U.S., uh, this week I had uh, uh, emails from uh, Stephen List and Dan Hammer, two men who are uh, great men of God. Uh, Stephen List was here a year ago. Um, tremendous miracles that have taken place in their ministries. And we've been talking about them coming to be with us. We didn't know the exact dates. We do now know that they'll be here for three days in September, both of them. I think it's the third week of September. And we're, going, we're praying for the Holy Spirit to come into the house, our body. And there's, of course, lots of folks away today on vacation and things. And so, uh, and there'll be announcements coming if any of <laughs> you, well, I guess you won't come from all the way over long distances like England to be here. But um, we are having a, a season of fasting and prayer that's going to lead us up to that to those meetings, and I'll be describing that. That's going to start in September. Uh, you'll be hearing more about that um, next week. I hope to have a, a specific plan in place that I can share with you and distribute uh, in a written form. The book of John, chapter 5, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, um, this passage of Scripture is considered by many Bible students, people who study the scriptures, as being kind of a pivotal point in the whole gospel narrative. It's, it's, a, it's central to everything that Jesus is about and why he came to this world. And uh, it, it, it's just a very interesting passage, and you'll see what I mean uh, about how Cujo's testimony is really an example of what we're reading here today. So it says in the first verse, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, that means that he was a strict adherent of the Old Testament worship patterns that had been set in the Old Testament. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate. Now, the city had several entry points. Uh, they had one of the entry points was the Sheep Gate, and then there was the Grain Gate, and there was the, the, the gate where all of the refuse, basically the sewer stuff, went out to be taken to the outside of the city. So all of these gates were separate gates. Uh, in order to keep uh, the purity of the purposes of those gates. So interestingly, this is the sheep gate. And of course, we know that we are the sheep of his pasture. And uh, so there's a symbolism there. And near the sheep gate, there was a pool. 
which in the Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. And here a great number of disabled people used to lie. Now, the word Bethesda, uh, Beth in Aramaic, means the um, house of mercy or the house of grace. Uh, It's a place of provision where, where we need provision that we could not get anywhere else. Jesus came from Bethlehem, a house of bread. And so this was a very special, uh, a, a, a very special place in the whole narrative that we're reading about here. And uh, so uh, it, there was a number of disabled people that used to lie there, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Now, what was interesting about this these pools around the uh, near the sheep gate was that once in a while, and people would sit there and watch and wait. This was a very unusual phenomenon, but the waters within the gate or within the pools would start to start to come alive. In fact, that's one of the meanings uh, of the whole idea of a place of flowing. Bethesda means the place of flowing water. So it can mean uh, either the place of mercy or the place of flowing water. It was a place of life. And if you could get into the pool while those waters were churning, you'd be healed. Now, now <laughs> you say, well, why? Why would that happen? And uh, why would God do something so strange as this? But it's all, it all is coming to some so a very precious reality that we that we are embracing this morning. But first of all, let, let me say this. The house of God is the house of mercy, the sheep gate, the place where the sheep gather, where the Christians, the followers of Christ, come and they go, is a place of mercy. It's a place of flowing water, of living water, of the spirit of the living God. And it's like you don't have to come here and say, well, I wonder, will the Spirit move today? I wonder if the power of God to heal and and to help and to show mercy and grace, the power of God to meet my need, will it happen today? And and so we don't have to come. And and if it does happen, will somebody get me in the altar in time to to get healed or to get blessed or to have my need met? Because the Holy Spirit may go, and if I don't get there in time, I'll miss it. Well, when Jesus came, he replaced the pool. He replaced the physical, temporary, and temporal manifestation of the mercy and the grace of God with his own living and abiding presence. And, and so what's happening is God is changed, turning the page of history. And what God would do in the religious system of the Old Testament with all its sacrifices and all of the things that uh, were, were supposed to make people better, all the religious stuff that didn't really make anybody better, Jesus came to replace, replace it all. And let me say to you, well, anyway, here's this guy, 38 years, waiting by the pool 
hoping that someday somebody would carry him to the pool when the water is being stirred by God and that he would be healed. But because he had no one to carry him, he had no friend, and he was an invalid. He couldn't, if he was blind, he could have just jumped up and, and ran as soon as he heard the water stirring. But, and no doubt he saw people go ahead of him and get healed, but he was always left out. And they say, why would God do that? Well, everything God does has a purpose. And, and, and the fact of the matter, in human experience, there are multitudes upon multitudes of people that in fact feel left out. They feel ostracized. They're, they're, God is present, but not available. <laughs> and so part of this story is about showing that through Christ, God is available, and there is no marginalization. There is nothing that separates us. The Bible says it doesn't matter what color, what creed, what. There's nothing that separates us. There's neither uh, black or white or any other uh, color of skin. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's no, nothing that separates us from the wonderful blessing and the purposes of God. Well, um, <laughs> he had been in this condition for a long time, and Jesus asked him, this is verse 6, do you want to get well? <laughs> Hello? I've been here for 38 years. And the reason I'm here is I want to get well. So why, why would you ask me, especially, I mean, he didn't know that, that he was talking to the Son of God and that Jesus knew all things anyway. Uh, he didn't know anything. He just thought, well, here's a guy that's going to help me and get me to the pool. And, and, and so that's why he's asking the question, do you, do you want to get well? Because if you don't, I'll move along and maybe help somebody else get in the pool. Those, those thoughts may have been going through his mind. But for us reading the story, and even for him, well, you're sort of asking what's obvious, and, and, and again, that shows our own human nature. Jesus comes to us and asks very often the question that seems so apparent and so obvious and so unneeded when it comes to stating. So he comes to you, and we all need that. It's like he comes to me and he says, Bruce, do you need a... Uh, it, it, do you want me to speak to you today? Well, why am I sitting here at the prayer meeting? Or why am I sitting on my couch in the early morning and, and uh, meditating? But it's almost like he has to show up and say, do you really want me to minister to you today? Or are you just doing this because it's a religious exercise? It's because you, you need to. You're the pastor of the church, after all, and you should pray about stuff. Or, or is there... Is, there an, is it necessary, something that's important for me to hear fresh all the time and for you to hear? Do you want to get well? You have a child who's not a Christian, who drifted away from God. Do you want me to send my spirit to draw him? Uh, a few weeks ago, I was driving in the car and talking with my sister on the telephone, and we were talking about my brother, who's not a Christian, and it suddenly occurred to me, 
to ask her, I said, sis, do you pray for him? And she paused, and she said, no. And my sister is a woman of prayer. And I, and I said, neither do I. I have not been faithful in praying for my own brother. Once in a while, we think about him and pray for him. But he's so far from God, he shows no interest in, in his spiritual roots or, or, or faith. And so you kind of, and it's sort of like in that car that day, about six weeks ago, the Holy Spirit came into my heart and into my sister's heart. And we both said, from now on, we'll pray for him every day. And we made a, a covenant it's, it's like the Spirit came to us in that moment and said, do you want me to save your brother? And, and so he was stating the obvious. Well, of course we do. We want him to be saved. We want him to become a Christian. But we had to have that moment together, although we we're 2,000 kilometers apart, for the Holy Spirit to come and say, do you want me to do something that you long for in your heart to be done. And he comes to you this morning. And he comes to me fresh and anew. Do you want to be well? Do you want that child that's backslidden to come back to Jesus? Do you want that sickness to be healed? Do you want that financial need to be miraculously provided for? And it's like, well, I've had this need for so long. I've been in debt for 38 years. Well, <laughs> I guess when you get so locked into a routine, even though you're in the place where it happens, you don't really think it will. And so Jesus said, do you want to be well? You've come to church this morning. Maybe you've been here coming and going and coming and going, or you're faithful to, to attend, and yet you come sometimes with a heavy heart, and you feel the Spirit of the Lord uh, lift you and encourage you, and you go home, but that need that you have still remains present. That burden that you carry seems to still be weighing heavy on your heart and mind. And it's like the Holy Spirit comes and says, do you want things to change? Do you really want things to change? I've been praying for this church for a long time, and especially in this last year. Uh, I've been just seeking God. Uh, Lord God, we just so need a fresh wave of your Holy Spirit. And I've been praying that more in these last several months than I have at any time in my life. And it's like the Holy Spirit has come and said, it doesn't have to be that you just come to church and you have a great time with fellowship and ministry and worship. There can be more than that. Let me say it again. There can be more than that. There can be more than that. There can be revival. The waters could st stir, not just in a momentary passing thing, but a vibrant outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus described that as being like a river of life, a river of the Holy Spirit that flows from within us and, it, and dissipates from us to the world around us and to the body of Christ. And God can do the supernatural. He can stir the waters of revival, of the Holy Spirit, of the power of God in the day we live. 
right here and right now. Well, anyway, sir, the invalid said, verse 7, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirring. Uh, while I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, let me help you to the pool. I'll, I'll get ahead of everybody else and get you there because I'm the son of God. I can, I can know when it's happening and I can jump the gun and uh, beat everybody else and you'll be healed. Is the scripture up there? No, he didn't say that. He didn't say, I'll get you to the pool. He said, get up. You don't need to go to the pool. You just need to accept me and listen to my voice. And there's a way in which we think today, oh, if the revival of the past was there present, only if, 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 and we have all of these things in our mind with preconditions for what God is wanting to do for us and through us. And, when all, and all he simply says is, just get up. You don't have to go backtrack into revivals of the past. You don't have to have preconceived notions of how it's going to happen. You just need to take the burden, the need, the cry of your heart, and you need to get up off of your laurels. Does it say that there? Uh, something like that. Get off your mat Get off of that place of just laying back and not expecting anything to really happen. That condition that you're in, that you struggle with, that battle with pornography or that battle with some kind of other addiction, of chemical addiction, of alcohol, of, oh, just so many things, the anger and the rage that can come out from you, all the different kinds of phenomenon of behavior that is ungodly, whatever it is, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat, and he walked. And the day on which this took place was the religious day. It was the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. Now, Kujo <laughs> talked about religion and how you can be religious and bent over looking at all the little nitpicking things of, of religious rules and laws and oh if I go to church that's a whole list of things I can do and a bigger list of things I can't do and another list of things I must do and it's all about trying and striving and all of this and I have to be religious in order to be accepted by God. And here are these religious leaders, and they've just experienced the most phenomenal thing. And they said to him, you know what? You can't do that. You can't do that. And that voice comes to us in almost any form. It doesn't have to be a religious person. It can just be your own voice. It can be those words of rejection that have been so implanted into your heart and your mind and your emotions throughout your life. Where Whenever you hear a message like this that says, God has something for you. There is, this is a new day. Jesus is present. It's not about religiosity. It's not about anything else. It's not about you striving or you trying to achieve some religious 
goal. It's simply about getting up you, off your mat and taking the blessing of the Lord by faith. And then there's all these voices saying, no, you can't. There can be voices from the past. There can be voices from the present. It can be your own voice. There's all kinds of ways which the enemy will come to you and say, you can't do that. You can't be a man of God, a woman of God, a teenager who wins his friends to Jesus. You can't be a child who can stand up here and preach and recite facts that are way beyond me to recite. That was amazing this morning. And, and so there's all of these things that you can't do and all the reasons why you can't do them. But then there's a group of people that say, I don't care what my past has been. I don't care what people have said about me. My past does not define my future or my destiny. What defines my future and destiny is not anything I can do except give it over to Jesus and let him define it and let him determine it and let me just flow with the Spirit of the Lord into the power and the provision of God because my hand is in his hand, my life is in his, is, is, is given to him. I have lost my life so that I might find it again by giving it to Jesus. And if that's you this morning, I know when, when I read this, it's me. There's things that I just need to just kind of relax and say, Lord, I can't do it, but you can. But I just need to couple my faith with yours. I need to put my feet in sync with my faith and do it. And maybe that's the word of the Lord for you this morning. You believe it. You say, yeah, 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 that can happen. Well, maybe it's time for you to put feet to that confession and see God do some powerful things for you. Well, let me go through this, these next two verses. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath, and so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath, the law forbids you to carry your mat. And he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. Now, who was he going to believe? All these voices of people he was familiar with? Or this voice of this man he didn't even know his name? He just said, the man who made me well, notice he didn't say it was the pool that made me well, but the man who made me well, he told me to do this. So here is a guy acting on the word of somebody he really didn't know. And that's what faith is. We haven't really seen him eye to eye or face to face. Some have maybe have had visions. And, and, but even then, a vision isn't the reality of the person. We, 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 we hear about him in his word. We hear testimonies about him. And, but we've never really actually physically laid our, hand, our eyes on Jesus or literally physically took, taken his hand. And we, yet we know. And the Bible says, uh, to you who believe he is precious, whom having not seen, yet you love. 
Peter said that. He, he's precious to you because you didn't have to see him to know that he touched you, that he healed you, that he saved you, that he changed his life. And God help us. Whenever the world around us seems, uh, occupies our vision with all kinds of stresses and pressures and trials that we go through and all the reasons why we should be negative and defeated, yet we can say, there's someone who I've never seen, literally physically seen, but he told me, I can do this. I can do all things through him, through his strength, through his power. And of course, he didn't know who Jesus was, but we do today. And what an example this is. So they asked him, who's this fellow who told you to pick up and walk? And the man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. And later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Now, in this story, there's some remarkable things that... um, are are in these last few verses. How can a guy live a life of sin when he's on a mat beside a pool for 38 years? Uh, He's not in the taverns. He's not being unfaithful to his wife. He's not extorting money. He's not robbing banks or anything like that. Uh, He's a man to be pitied. He's a man with great needs. And Jesus reveals himself to him after he's done the miracle. And he says, stop sinning. That seems rather, I don't know. It seems like Jesus has missed the point. The guy he healed uh, really was not a man of notoriety in the negative sense of the word. Um, everybody knew him, but to say stop sinning or something worse could happen to you? Why? <laughs> well, this is where we under, come to understand that the greatest miracle, the most important miracle, is the forgiveness of our sin and receiving the power of God to, re, to live a life that's not based in sin, but based in faith and connection with Christ. Now, along the way, we can make mistakes and we can sin. And in the Word of God says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. So there's provision along the way. But the, the whole idea is you don't just receive the grace of God and then go on your own way or do what you want to do. But the real life change is not power coming into your legs so you can get up and leap and walk. The real grace of God is the power of Jesus coming into your heart and into your life and changing you from the inside out and causing your whole life to be born again into a whole new 
and living way as a follower of Jesus. And so we come here from Sunday to Sunday and, and, and we need to have these encounters with Jesus. Do you want to be well? Do you want to see things change? But we also need to have the encounter with Jesus where we say, God, examine our hearts. Examine our lives. Is there something that's unpleasing to you in my behavior, in my attitudes? And I'm going to tell you, you ask that question and suddenly it seems like a scroll. And so you say, well, that doesn't happen to you, Pastor. You're religious. Well, it happens to me as much as it does to anybody else. And being religious or being a pastor or being in a position in a church has nothing to do with it. I can have bitterness. I can have unbelief. I can have attitudes. I can, if, if I give away to what would be my natural inclination, wow. I mean, and, and you're all like me. We're all alike. If we gave in to our natural inclinations, our inclination are bent towards sin in our natural, unsaved, unregenerate state, we could easily slip into behaviors that take us away from the kingdom of God. And so daily, uh, we need to search our hearts. David said, search me, O God. Search me, O God. And try my heart and see if there's some wicked way in, we, in me. And the reason we need to pray that is because he can see stuff we can't see. But his spirit comes to us and says, Bruce, you need to start making some changes here. You need to start being more trusting of me in this area. And, and, the, and you say, well, that's not great sin. Well, the Bible says whatever is not a faith is sin. And so anything that removes us from that place of absolute faith and trust in him is causing us to fall short. And that's what sin is. So this story brings us face, faith to face, face to face with the natural versus the supernatural. The supernatural wrought through natural means and the supernatural brought about through Jesus who is the living God. It brings us into, into uh, confrontation with religious rules, religious systems, systems where... It's, it's all about the religious experience or the religious rules and face-to-face -face with a whole different dynamic of a powerful connection with God through his son Jesus by the power of his Holy Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Aren't you glad that his spirit is here this morning? And we don't have to wait, well, is God going to do something today? Of course he is. He's just saying to you and to me, will you let me? Do you want me to? Do you want me to help you with that need, with that stress, with that pressure, with that sin, with that sickness, whatever? And how many would say this morning, yes? Hold your hand up high. Now, with your hand held high, you've got something that might just leap into your heart right now, and that's what I need to ask Jesus to help me with right now, right here, right today. So go ahead and just quietly in these next few seconds, 
just to identify that quietly to the Lord. If you want to share it with somebody beside you, that's fine. But you lift your heart, your hand, your life to Jesus. And we don't have to say. We don't know who it was. He just told me to get up off my mat, and I did it. We can look at the cross. We can look at Jesus and say we know who he is and what he said, and we believe it. Hallelujah.